Welcome back to um, Comic Book History Lesson. Uh, this is episode two. Um, so if you listen to episode one, that means I didn't scare you away too bad. And you are back. So hello. Uh, just a friendly reminder. Hi, my name is Ambrosia. And I like comic books. And I like learning about them. So let's talk about it. So, before I dive into some comic book history lesson, I think it would be cool to kind of start us off, um, like some recent reads, uh, I've been reading in the comic book side of things, uh, cause I read Marvel, DC, Independence, a little bit of everything. So, in terms of Marvel comics, this King and Black series has been insane. I personally have really liked this series. Uh, the main storyline is fabulous. Um, it is so good. I mean, some of the tie-ins, uh, like I can lose some, um, but the other, like some other time in, like tie-ins, uh, have been just fabulous. Like I have loved Thunderbolts. That has been awesome. And obviously Venom is a huge one because, you know, those two kind of go hand in hand with each other. Um, while there are some tie-ins, I'm just like, uh, this wasn't really necessary. But, I mean, it's still fun to read. Um, in terms of DC, I just finished the uh, Love is a Battlefield, which was DC's um, Valentine issue special, uh, which I really actually enjoyed. The ten different stories that they had in there... Um, I thought it was cute. I, but I'm a sucker for love stories. I mean, there was a couple in there that I wasn't a fan of, and there were some that I really liked, and I didn't like the ending of them. But beggars can't be choosers. Overall, I really liked it. But guys, Man Bat issue one came out. It came out February second. I've been behind, but that one was fabulous. Um, I. I, I mean, it's going to be a five-part series, and I'm really hoping that the f- four other issues are just as good as issue one, because it was great. I loved it. Uh, and then for some independent um, books that I've really loved recently, and I just realized that both of these are image books, uh, but Crossover, which is a Don and Kate story as well, uh, he also, he's doing a lot of the King and Black stuff. But, oh, issue one, it pulled on my heartstrings. I totally cried on, like, the last two pages. But, I mean, you, maybe, I don't know. I am just, I just have a soft soul, and it just, it just got me. It just got me. But right now, they're currently on issue three. And this story is so unique. Um, It's been really, really cool. So, if you haven't checked out Crossover, Check it out. Like, at least read issue one and see if it's, if it's up your alley. Um, another image comic that I've really enjoyed is The Department of Truth. Man, that one was so cool. Uh, if you are into, like, conspiracy theories or just into, like, the weird, funky-dunky stuff, um, like I am, I guess, <laughs> definitely check it out. Uh, the story and the art are really different um, and unique, and it... There's some deep stuff in there that I find really, really cool. So, uh, I mean, everyone I've talked to, um, when it comes to the Department of Truth, I feel like it's a hit or miss. You either love it or you hate it. There's no in between. 
I personally love it. So, uh, check that out. And, you know, the bad thing, like, about a podcast is sometimes, like, I wish that we could just have conversations. Like, you know, me telling you, oh, this is what I've been reading. And then you telling me back what you've been reading. And, unfortunately, it can't be like that. But, it's fine. It's it's similar to teaching remote, you know. I, I talk to students. No one talks back. I talk to myself, so I guess, I guess I have some practice in that area. Um, but that does not excuse the fact that I am still incredibly nervous. I mean, episode one, oh, I don't know how many times I internally threw up. I don't even know if that's a thing, but I did it. Um, and now, uh, be prepared for some ums and uhs and uh likes because it's still really nerve-wracking, especially, like, I don't know. Sometimes I just feel like people are are right there with you with your microscope waiting for you to, like, just mess up. But again, my dudes, I am human. I will mess up, and that's okay because uh, I want to learn from you as maybe you can learn from me. So I think that's part of, like, this comic book world is that you, we just – I want it to be like we learn together. I don't want it to be a toxic environment. I don't want, I want to get people excited about comic books and, and I want people who have been interested in comic books, but don't know where to start to feel like they have a safe place to go. And you know, that means making mistakes and that's fine. So bear with me. Okay. Bear with me. Thank you. Okay. So speaking of mistakes, um, I think this is a really, really, I didn't mean for this to happen, but this is like a really good, good, like, segue into a, a mistake that I made from episode one. So in episode one, I, I made, I said <sighs> that Superman was the first superhero. Well, I was just kidding. You know, I was, I thought it was April Fool's. It came early this year and I was like, I'm going to pull an April Fool's joke on everyone and I'm going to tell them that Super Superman was the first superhero. Well, I was wrong. Um, joke's on you. Just kidding. But, uh, so Superman wasn't actually the first superhero. He was number two. I was just kidding about him being the first one. He was, he was number two. Okay. So let's get some real talk here. The first actual superhero is the Phantom. Dun, dun, dun. No, it's not the Phantom of the Opera. That'd be pretty cool, but no. Um, so... The Phantom was created by Lee Falk, F-A-L-K, and he was actually debuted in uh, a newspaper comic strip on February 17th, 1936. So I know that I said I wasn't going to dive into the comic sh- or the newspaper comic strips because that has a whole nother history um, and I want to focus on the comic books, but I thought it was important to note that um, the Phantom that we had a superhero, that he was like the, the OG superhero in this comic book world. Um, and so shout out to Lee for creating him. And so I just want to make sure that he got the attention that he deserved for his creation. Um, so the Phantom, he wore a mask and a purple, a uh, purple outfit, uh, to become the Phantom, aka the ghost who walks. Uh, the characters 
uh, he, he had whited out eyes. I don't know if that's right. Whited out or white out? White out eyes, whited out eyes. We'll go with whited out eyes. Um, and he had no visible pupils. Uh, he ended up being a feature for many, um, for other superheroes uh, in comics. So he made appearances in Batman, Green Lantern, and Green Arrow, um, which I think is cool. But we'll get into that another time. But I just wanted to take a moment to recognize the Phantom as the original superhero. Um, and so it was the Phantom and then Superman. So if you knew that, you are amazing. Congratulations. I was wrong. I'm sorry. Yes, we are still talking about 1938 and we are going to talk about 1939 here in a minute. But I just, I just want to talk about the importance of going back from the very beginning and understanding the history of these comics. Like, it's so bizarre to me that stories that we have today were created 70 years ago, 80 years ago. And like, Sometimes I feel like we don't give them the credit that they deserve. Um, like I just got done watching WandaVision. Yes, it's amazing. It's so good. I'm loving it. Uh, but it's just crazy how like so many of the things that they added in the show, uh, in 2021 were, you know, talked about back years ago. And so I, I love that so much that they're bringing stories that we haven't touched in years and bringing it to life. And uh, it's getting people interested in comic books. Like, I haven't heard people talk about the House of M in a really, really long time. And now people who haven't read comic books or, like, never kept up with them are talking about the House of M and, you know, are learning about, like, those comic books. And that's that's what I love. That's, like, what the community is supposed to be about. We're supposed to be sharing the things that we love. Um, and I think it's... Like talking about the history of them and going back from the very first superhero to the second superhero, like those are the foundations to what we have today. That's the foundations to the comics that we read today, to the cinematic universe that we watch uh, on the day. And I, I just don't think they get talked enough. So thank you for listening as we dive into this foundation and we build up the Avenger Tower. I don't know. Um, okay. But I just really love that we could talk about the, I mean, these people are legends, uh, that we'll be talking about. And I think it's really important to continue their legacy, um, know where they came from, know their names and, you know, know the history where some of our most beloved heroes and stories come from. With that being said, <laughs> let's dive into it. Um, so welcome to the golden age of comics. Uh, the last episode, I really focused on the platinum age, which was from the years of 1897 to roughly 1938 uh, and now we are segueing we're diving into talking about uh, the golden ages which is roughly 1938 to the 19 like 1950 this was after the the great depression um, and the popularity of newspaper cartoons just expanded into this major industry um, and the precise era of the golden ages is disputed um Though most agree that it was born um, with the launch of Superman of 1938. And so I think that's where I, in my mind, I was like, oh, Superman must be the first superhero. No, it was the Phantom. But the Golden Age, a lot of people say it was because of Superman. So 
All right. Um, but before we talk about like comic books in the 1930, let's set the mode, mood. Let's set the mood. Let's paint a little picture of what was happening in 1939. Um, at this time, our president was Franklin D. Roosevelt. Um, and although the war began uh, with Nazi Germany's attack on Poland in September of 1939, the United States did not enter the war until 1941. So I just thought that was important to mention. Uh, man, because there's a lot going on. Also, you actually are getting an actual history lesson. Dang. Just kidding. Kind of. I don't know. Um, but I also thought it was cool to like talk about the cost of things back in 1939. Because again, we're, we're painting a picture. So the average cost of a new house was only $3,800. So you could buy a house for that much, which is, I don't know, it's absurd to think that. But again, inflation. So to say that I wish I could go back in time and live in the Great Depression, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I, I would say that. But um, it's just crazy again to think about the amount of how much things have inflated. <laughs> um, all right. Anyway, sorry. Um, so the average. Okay. So cost of a gallon of gas was only ten cents. Uh, the average cost of a house to rent was twenty eight dollars per month, and a loaf of bread. Uh, only cost eight cents. And then if you have $700, you could buy yourself a new car. Boop, boop, bala. Um, which, I mean, this has nothing to do with comic books, but this is, you know, this is the time period that we were living in. And, you know, a ton of people didn't have jobs and things were rough. Um, and I think just so many people just wanted an outlet to uh, the crazy world that they were living in. And I don't blame them because that's why I got into comic books. But Let's talk about someone who really, really did build that foundation up into the comic book community. So we all hear the name Stanley and Jack Kirby, and we all know their relation to Marvel. And, you know, something that kind of uh, blows my mind is how many people think that Stanley created Marvel. Don't get me wrong. Love Stanley. Wonderful people person um and he did create so much and you know he really did put his heart and soul into um marvel and did so much for that company but he wasn't the creator and i i feel so bad for martin goodman because i feel like he was like the the middle child and i get to say that because i'm the middle child but Martin, let, let's, let's just talk about Martin Goodman, okay? Don't get me wrong. Love Stanley, Love Jack Kirby. We're going to get into them later. But today, let's focus on some Martin Goodman because we don't talk about him enough at all. And he, he truly doesn't get the credit that he deserves. So who is Martin Goodman? For starters, he was the oldest son of 17 children. Ooh, 17 children. Like, I thought it was bad fighting for attention by my parents with like two other siblings, let alone 17 and being the oldest, like, and not to mention how hard times were back then. Like I, I can't imagine, but bless his, bless his parents, bless his parents. Uh, so his parents were Jewish immigrants uh, and they actually met in the United States. Uh, as a young man, uh, Martin traveled around the country during the Great Depression, and he was living in hobo camps. <sighs> that makes me sad. 
1929, the future Archie Comics co-founder, Louis, okay, I'm probably going to butcher his name, but please know that I'm never, like, intentionally trying to butcher someone's name because I have always had my name butchered as a kid, um, and I know, like, the importance of names and, you know, your heritage, and so know that I'm never trying to be rude or disrespectful. Um, I'm just a kid who had uh, speech problems and... <laughs> Sometimes you just struggle with pronouncing names. I'm so sorry. All right, so let's let's try this again. The Archie Comics co-founder, Louis Silberkleit. Okay. Then he was a circulation manager at the magazine uh, distribution company. Uh, and he hired Martin for his department. And he assigned him to clients. And this is what really put Martin's foot in the door um, into the publication and magazine world. So in 1937, uh, good old Martin, he got married and him and his lovely wife uh, honeymooned in Europe. And on uh, Goodman and his wife actually had tickets for the Hindenburg. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. But get this, they were unable, so they got tickets, but they were unable to get tickets together because, you know, they're newlyweds. They, they want to cuddle with each other. And so they try to get tickets together sitting side by side, but they weren't unable to do so. So they ended up taking another form of transportation instead, which saved their lives because if you don't know what the Hindenburg was, it was I, I think it's like a blimp. It's like a giant little giant blimp. Um, and it ended up catching on fire. Uh, and I believe it killed like over 30 people. Um, which is so sad, but also like insane because that saved their life by having like not being able to get seats next to each other. Um, and, who knows what would have happened if they got on to that that plane you know and I'm a huge believer in fate and everything happens for a reason which I'm so sorry that that tragedy happened in general um and I I'm so sorry for um everyone who lost their life that day but it's crazy that you know something as simple as not being able to sit next to your wife um made you not take a seat on a on an blimp um and it like what would have happened if we didn't have like imagine not like possibly not having the world of marvel because the founder of it was not no longer here which it's just so bizarre dang but i'm super grateful that they decided not to get on because mr goodman he just created this wonderful world of comics and i appreciate it all right, so Martin saw the comic book world making its mark in the world, and he was ready to take it by hand and just just go at it. Um, so this moves us into Timely Comics, and this was formed in 1939. Uh, Timely Publications opened their doors in New York City and got to work. Uh, in October of 1939, they published Marvel Comics issue number one, uh, which was the telling the tale of the android called the Human Torch and the anti-hero known as Namor, the Submariner. Um, 
It's just, yeah. All right. Uh, so this issue was huge because not only did we get like one origin story, but we got two. We got two superheroes. Uh, so we got the origin stories of the Human Torch and Namor, uh, which I was able to see uh marvel the marvel comics issue number one uh i went out in seattle back in like 2019 uh at the their seattle was at the seattle pulp culture uh, museum and they had like the coolest it was called uh, marvel the universe of superheroes and it was this exhibit that was all about like the history of marvel and like original artwork and um publications and costumes of like the cinematic world. And they actually had Marvel comics issue number one. Um, so, you know, of course it was like in a big glass box and I took a picture and, and my poor family, I dragged them with me and I'm like in tears, like shaking, looking at it. And, um, I don't, I don't think they realized what it was or, but they bless their souls. They still just let me take my picture. Um, but you know, if you, if you are a Marvel fan or even just any comic book fan, you know, my parents, uh, my family aren't into comic books, but they thought it was really cool as well. So, um, go ahead and try to find the Marvel Universe of Superheroes. I actually looked it up and, um, starting March 4th through September 6th, uh, the Marvel Universe of Superheroes will be in, um, Chicago. It'll be at the Chicago Museum of Science and Industry. So if you are in the Chicago area or going to be passing by during that time, uh, definitely try to check it out because it was so cool. Um, they also had like amazing fantasy, um, which was also mind blowing to see. Uh, just, it was, it was super neat. So try to check that out. It was Marvel Universe of Superheroes or try to see if it's coming uh, in your area anytime after September 6th. Uh, so Namor was actually created by writer and artist Bill Everett. And you know what? Recently, we haven't really seen Namor, but they brought him back for this King and Black series, which I, I haven't read issue number three yet, but I almost wish that they would have just given Namor his own story and not have tied him into the King in Black. But, you know, may maybe we'll see. Maybe we'll see. Maybe we'll it's all going to be great. It's just, it's exciting to see him again. So I'll, I'll take it for what I could get. Okay. So apparently, though, um, Bill, Bill Everett, uh, he created Namor because he was informed that Carl Burgos, uh, had created the human torch and he can manipulate fire. And he wanted to play off that notion of like fire and water, which I think is really cool. Uh, so his interest is anything, uh, nautical, uh, and having to do with the sea. Uh, and it also factored into Namor's creation and origin. Uh, Namor is technically Marvel's first mutant. So another cool, like, why this comic book was so, like, just so good. Um, well, not, I mean, it's good. But, like, why it was just so impactful. Because, I mean, we have Marvel's, Marvel's first superhero and Marvel's first mutant. And I just think that in itself is just mind-blowing. 
Um, so Namor is the mutant son of a human sea captain and the princess of the mythical undersea kingdom of Atlantis. Uh, Namor possesses the super strength of aquatic abilities of the Homo Mermanis uh, race, as well as the mutant ability of flight along with other superhuman powers. So in future episodes, um, I am going to do like a more in-depth um, character analysis of all of these amazing characters that we have. But right now, I just really want to focus on like this time um, and the comic itself and not necessarily the characters. So don't worry. We're going to be talking about these characters. Just, just not today. But don't you worry because it is coming. It is coming. But moving on back into Namor. Um, he is the first known comic book anti-hero. I mean, we didn't even... We're just now getting into heroes, and now they're talking about, like, anti-heroes? What? Um, Mr. Namor over here, um, this Submariner, he is still relevant uh, today in a ton of uh, Marvel comics and as a character, which, like I said, right now he's in the King of Black series, which is really cool to see. Um, so Everett stated that the inspiration for creating the character was from a poem written by Samuel Taylor Coleridge, um, and it is the rhyme of the ancient mariner and was written back in 1978, which I think a lot of people think that Aquaman came before Namor because Aquaman is just so like it's a more um popular character opposed to Namor like I'll be honest I knew Aquaman way before I did Namor and so a lot of people assume that it was Aquaman that came first but it was actually Namor and I really really love uh Everett's uh inspiration for it and wait wait until you hear the inspiration for the name because I had no idea I was truly Wait, what? Okay, so he came up with the name Namor by writing down noble-sounding names. Not just, like, noble-sounding names. So he wasn't, like, Ryan, Christian. Just kidding. But he wrote them backwards. He wanted a name, like, that was noble, but he wanted to see what they would look like backwards. And he wrote down Roman. The name Roman which spelled backwards is Namor. Like, I had no idea that. That was so cool because, I mean, we have, I know, a couple Neveas, which is heaven spelled backwards. Um, but, I mean, Everett was on top of his game. Like, he was way before that. Uh, yeah, so... <laughs> It's actually Roman, but it's spelled backwards, which brings us Namor. I love that. Uh, and he just felt like it looked best. And Everett uh, described Namor as being, um, quote, Ultraman of the deep lives on land and in the sea, flies in the air, and has the strength of a thousand men, end quote. Um, which, I, I don't know, that, that, I think that's pretty cool, and I love it. All right, so let's let's talk about the Human Torch now, who was the other character that was written in Marvel uh, Comics issue number one. So the Human Torch was created by writer and artist Carl Burgos. Um, he was the OG Human Torch. So I know that we have um, 
like the Fantastic Four Human Torch, but this this is like the real one, okay? So the OG Human Torch is a human-like android created by Professor Phineas T. Horton. Um, when Horton discovers the android bursts into flames uh, when exposed to oxygen, he seals it in an airtight capsule and buries him. But the torch escapes, develops a conscious, and soon gains control over his flames. So this issue was a hit. Uh, and within the first uh, couple months, this issue had sold roughly 80,000 copies, which holy moly, that is a lot. Um, but like they sold so many that they ended up doing a second printing of this issue. And guess how many issues they sold this time? <laughs> Okay, actually, you can't guess because I can't hear you. I'm so sorry. But uh, they sold uh, over 800,000 copies. So that's like 10 times, uh, well, almost 10 times, the amount of the first copy. Um, and the only difference that they had, I mean, now when we see second printings, like you'll see on the top where it says second printing and typically it will be like a different cover or a different color of the cover um, or some more like noticeable um, distinction between the first printing and second printing. Uh, but the only like real difference that you'll see between the first printing and the second printing of Marvel, uh, Marvel issue number one uh, is like a, a little black bar uh, that went over the original date uh, and then there's the new date right after it uh, at the end. So it wasn't too noticeable. So if you ever get your hands on one or ever like able to touch one, you can tell if it's a first printing or a second printing by opening up the little flap or the little, the cover, um, and the flap, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> it's called the cover and seeing where the date is. And then, uh, if there's a black bar over it, uh, then you know that it is the second, uh, printing, which, you know what? I'd be happy with the second printing. If someone was like, here, have my second printing. I <laughs> think. Oh my goodness. Okay. Uh, so yeah. Um, so in this issue, there was also, uh, this, there's more stories than just the human torch and, um, the sub mariner, which I realized, I think I called it the submariner, uh, just like not too long ago. Did I tell you that I get nervous? And when I get nervous, sometimes my speech gets like all mumble jumbled. It's not the submariner. It's the submariner. Guys, I'm sorry. We're not at subway. Anyways, so in this story, we have the human touch, um, we have the angel, we have the submariner, uh, no, my goodness, I did it again, the submariner, submariner, Jimmy Christmas, uh, and the masked raider, uh, which, you know, we see the mask, uh, the masked raider throughout, like, other comics, uh, but obviously the most popular ones that we really got out of this comic was the human torch and, uh, Namor. So, uh, and what's it's, I think it's also crazy to think about that at this time, when Marvel issue number one came out, um, on the shelves, Action Comics issue two was sitting right next to it. Like, how cool would it be just to be walking down the street and going to the store and picking up Action Comics number two and, um, Marvel issue number one? Like, just thinking about that that was even an opportunity was crazy because right now, I, it's not an opportunity for me. <laughs> not at all. Unless anyone has like a million or so dollars they would want to share. Um, but, uh, like that's, that would just be incredible. Just like, you know, that is a huge positive living 
back in the Great Depression. I, I don't I don't even know if that's a positive. I'm sorry, that sounds awful. But like just having that ability just to see those two things together is just again, I use this term a lot, mind blowing, because it is. So at this time, Timely Publications was doing so well um, with Marvel issue number one that they were able to hire a team, which they haven't, they hadn't been able to do that. So now they have a team and this is where we see our first editor, which is Joe Simon. Um, and he is also a writer and artist, but he was named, uh, Timely's first editor and he brought along his collaborator, which is Jack Kirby, which we will talk about Mr. Kirby, um, on another episode because he is also just amazing um and was also one of the founding fathers if i may um to comic books and art so um a side note so obviously right now i've talked a lot not a lot but i've talked about marvel and dc um but back in like after 1939 to like the 1940s period um and up there were roughly like 50 other comic book publishers that emerged so obviously a ton of people saw not a ton but people saw that you know that this was a whole another opportunity and um more companies started to create these comic book um publishers which is awesome but i'm not going to name and mention every single one of them because we would be here for a while. Um, so throughout these series or this podcast, I will be mentioning other um, uh, comic book publishers. Uh, but just know that there were more than just Marvel and DC. Uh, however, after the 1960s, there were only three of them that are still in business. Um, which, well, obviously there are more comic book companies that are still in business. But back then, so once that started from like 1938, there are only three that are currently still in business, which is National Allied Publications, which obviously is DC Comics, um, MLJ Comics, which ends up being Archie Comics, and then Timely Comics, which is Marvel Comics. But can I, can I go on a quick rant before? Okay. So... DC Comics, I always, I, I don't know if I'm saying it right because, okay, DC stands for Detective Comics. So when you say DC Comics, you're saying Detective Comics Comics. And that doesn't sound right, but also just calling it D Comics also doesn't sound right. Um, like I noticed that on TikTok, like when I do hashtags, um, and I'm going to do DC comics, I always like second guess myself because do I put DC comics? Because then technically I'm saying like DC comics or detective comics comics, or do I say, uh, hashtag DCOMICS? I don't know. Like these are the things that keep me up at night. Um, but Yes. So, well, okay. I actually, if, if you have an opinion on that, please let me know because I always get confused of how do I say, it? do I, do I say, you know what? I'll just call it DC. Just not going to say DC comics. I'll just say DC. Okay. There it is. I, I made a decision. Okay. 
But um, on that note, let's hear our uh, end of the show quote, um, which is brought to you by Joe Simon. Again, he's the first editor of Timely, a.k.a. Uh, Marvel Comics. Uh, and he said, quote, uh, to look back and know that I have had a pivotal role in the development of comics is something I'm very proud of. Although it's not something I think about unless someone brings it up. Um, and unquote. I think that is important for everyone to take note of, of when he says, you know, to look back at and look at the things that I have done. Um, you don't typically do that as a human. Uh, you don't look back at all of the accomplishments that you have done unless someone tells you. But take a moment uh, and just think about all the things that you have done in your life, whether it's raise a child, um, whether it's completed high school, like you are amazing. And I don't think you give yourself enough credit for the things that you have accomplished. Um, I know that we compare ourselves to what we see around us. So a lot of that time it's social media and what we see on TV and like we look at that as success, but there are so many other things uh, that are successful that you have done that you don't even know um, without someone like telling you like hey way to go wait way to raise your child uh, which I mean we don't do that enough either because as a teacher I would like to give every parent a high five because that is a tough job um, so you, yes um, just take a minute reflect on the things that you have done whether it's supported your family and make sure that you have a roof over your head or you know what if even if you don't right now, just know that it's going to get better. And um, every one of you has something to be proud of. So take a minute, think about that, and be proud of yourself. Um, because you deserve more credit than the world gives us. Um, join us next time as we uh, talk about... <laughs> guys, we're only in 1938. Uh, our next episode is going to be uh, talking about 1939, which is the origin of Batman. Uh, which, oh my gosh, if you haven't heard the Bob and Bill um story you're gonna want to hear this um i it's pretty it's intense it's intense so on that note i will uh see you next time and i'll talk to you later I, again you can find me on tiktok at comics and cupcakes um and i also have an instagram under that as well so i will talk to you all later bye, -bye. <laughs>